Welcome to the Content Rocks Podcast, the show about all things content.ai, .net, and Azure for people who want to learn more about headless technology. And now, here's your host, Brian McKeever. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Content Rocks. As the intro said, the podcast all about all things content.ai, .net, and Azure. Uh, as it said, this is your host, Brian McKeever, and I'm very excited today because I'm joined by a special guest. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Well, thanks. I, I think it's very appropriate that we get you on, Michael, because you've been a part of Content AI for a while now, and you're actually the, the content strategy evangelist over Content AI. So that's that's something that uh, is very important in all of the projects that we deal with around headless and composable and things like that. So it's fantastic to get your insights. I'm excited to have you. Our, our topic today, everyone, that we're going to talk about with Michael is is talking about content migration, actually, uh, because it intersects both technology, content strategy, all, all the worlds come together when we talk about migration. But before we dig deep into the topic, Michael, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, say to the audience, you know, what you've been up to, you know, what you're passionate about, maybe something fun. Okay, sure. So I, as you said, am the content strategy evangelist for content.ai, and I've been in that role for maybe three and a half years or so. Um, prior to that, I my career has been around content strategy. So I've worked as a consultant for all kinds of different sectors, uh, you know, everything from government and international organizations to, um, you know, every industry sector you can think of, essentially. And uh, I've actually had the opportunity to work around the globe in my career, which has been uh, very interesting. And it's given me a lot of insights into how content differs in, in different places and the challenges of managing content uh, globally. I am very interested in this area. I feel it's something that uh, while people recognize that it's important, they may not always understand the level of knowledge that is necessary to really do this well. And I'm always happy when uh, someone like you has an interest in this because there are a lot of people who just see this as an implementation project on a technical level, and they don't really think about this broader context uh, where you're needing to have things, in, you know, designed and planned well to make it a success. And I am talking to you today from Arlington, Virginia, just outside of Washington, DC. And one of the things I really enjoy is jazz music. So I don't play an instrument, but I really like getting to concerts and keeping up with the new new releases. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, and one just question came right to my head as I was thinking about this and I understood you. Did you ever think that you would actually have the title of content strategy evangelist, or was that a surprise? A little bit of a surprise, yeah. So the the company was looking for someone uh, for that specific role, and the Peter Palace, who I know you know uh, well, uh, he reached out to me on on LinkedIn and said, "Hey, we've been trying to fill this role, and I'm." I'm becoming familiar with you and I think you'd be a really good fit for it. So um, 
wasn't really the specific role I thought I'd be in, but having worked as a content strategy consultant for many years, uh, it's really the next level of what I've been doing uh, rather than just focusing on specific projects, talking more broadly about how to make any kind of project uh, more successful. Yeah. Yeah. And in case I, you know, I want to give you some kudos. You've, you've put out some fantastic content actually on content AI when it comes to the resources and the blog posts on the site. And actually, in case you're watching or even listening, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to quick share the screen around the, the site that is a great place to find Michael's content. And this is a landing page on content underneath the blog. And we're looking at your, your author page here. So I know it might be a little weird seeing yourself on the screen. And I apologize for that. No, but no, no, it's scroll great. Down, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I probably have um, 100 articles on there at this point. So, uh, right. No, it's I'm, awesome. I mean, we're talking about benefits of reusing content, content governance, AI auto tagging, things that are that are very relevant to anyone who might be interested in headless implementations and making good decisions with how they create and govern their content. I highly recommend this as a resource. So give you a shout out and some kudos for that. Great job in providing all those resources for the community. Thank you. All right. So as we said, um, now that we know a little bit about Michael and obviously, you know, a little bit about me, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I hope, uh, our topic today is talking about content migration. And it's funny, I, I want to set this up. Michael and I just randomly happened to be in the same city in Seattle in the U.S. at two different conferences. And we didn't even really realize it, but we were there at the same time and we kind of randomly discussed over uh, LinkedIn, I believe, hey, we should meet up and at least have a drink and say hi, because together on projects like this. And so we did, and we ended up um, having a fantastic um, quick little evening get together. Uh, and in that conversation, we start talking about how uh, some life events had happened for me and how I had actually uh, been a part of moving my house and my family. So, you know, selling the old house, getting into the new house. And, and I think, you know, you said the same thing, almost like you were going through that, right? In, in the in the house situation as well? yeah well I, I not that very moment but i had been uh just before the pandemic had, had just gone through a, a moving experience and it's still pretty fresh in my mind so i just thought you know that it's interesting because moving is really one of the more stressful events in one's life i mean it's not up there with marriage but uh getting married but it's still a pretty stressful thing because there are lots of things to think about when you're moving. And so I've had, uh, you know, a, a moving experience. I was, you know, trying to uh, imagine your pending moving experience there because you just said you bought a new place. And, you know, what it involves, of course, is you're going from one setup to another setup and you have all this stuff that needs to go from one point to another point. But they're different looking, you know, the end point is different from the beginning point. And so what happens with all this stuff and how do you get it there successfully? And do you take everything with you as you as you put it there and, you know, what hiccups might happen uh, when you do that? And, you know, are there tactics that you could employ to make it uh, less of a less problematic, I guess. So um, it, it just seems like a really interesting thing that I, you know, a lot of us have had the experience of, of moving and hopefully it's generally worked out. But uh, 
there is a certain amount of complexity for something that's kind of in a way mundane too. Right. Right. Well, yeah, generally working out is not how I would describe my move <laughs> that recently happened. As Michael knows, I've had everything you can imagine of maybe this isn't going to happen. Am I closing now? Am I not closing? Am I buying this house? Am I winning this house bid? Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think the key there is, you know, you're moving from one old house to a new house and they're not the same. You, yeah. Like in my case, I went from a two stall garage to a three stall garage and I went from a ranch to a ranch. So some things were similar. Some things mm. were different, maybe a little bigger kitchen, but maybe a smaller um, laundry room. I'll just as an example, mm. mm-hmm. that's actually pretty accurate to my situation. And we were talking about the house and the move and the frustration, all the boxes, mm. it's just never ending streams of boxes and all things. Yes. Right. And then sure enough, maybe by the time we finished like that first beverage, we start talking about work a little bit more. And, 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 and I think at one point we both dawned on us like, Oh my gosh, we're talking about content migration. It's just like the same conversation we had with the house move. Yeah, sure. It's a it, fantastic analogy, right? It, it is. I mean, because we're moving the contents of our house or whatever dwelling we were in uh, from point A to point B, just like the, the contents of, of a, you know, a website or, a, a series of websites and, and things like that. Um, and there's, you know, a lot of similarities in different scenarios. So, I mean, I, when, as I mentioned at the earlier, I've had a chance to uh, live in a number of different countries because my wife had a very international career. So we moved from, we crossed oceans a number of times with our, with our contents. Um, and sometimes Everything came with us. Sometimes we had to put some stuff in storage. Uh, sometimes things, uh, when we got married, of course, that was sort of an interesting thing because we're merging uh, contents from, from two different households. And then we find we have, you know, two two blenders or whatever. And what do you do with with, with things you don't need? Um, you, you're always making decisions about, you know, is this time to jettison something we haven't used in a while and maybe give it away? You know, those sorts of situations uh and then you know in the last uh, move as i said just before the pandemic hit um we were bringing things into our moving back into uh, our condominium which we had lived in before but we had been away for a while and uh, there were things coming from three different locations you know where we had been living previously we'd been in india we had some stuff in storage overseas and some stuff in storage in the us and it was all all streaming in together and you're trying to sort of merge these, these different sets of, of, of contents. And uh, you know, it, that sort of thing happens in the, the world that we work in professionally too. You have to migrate this stuff coming from different places and bring some order to it. So uh, there's just, I think profound similarities between, you know, our, our, some of the stuff in our daily lives and the stuff that we deal with uh, as professionals. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, to kind of transition a little bit more to specifically around a website or websites, content migration, you know, we want to talk about, if you're listening to this episode, what 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 are some tips, some tactics, some things that can maybe help? And I think, you know, as we were preparing for the show earlier, we both mentioned that one of the things that is like a cardinal sin is to basically think it's just part of implementation implementation detail that can come mm. at the end without any thoughts or plan yeah. 
And that's, if you're listening, that's the one thing I think that both Michael <laughs> and I would say is the literally the worst way to handle content migration, right? So maybe Michael, could you talk a little bit about how could we, how could we do better than that? How can we maybe not make that mistake? I think one of the things is, is around the pr preparing for your future. Um, I know there's often a real deadline. You just want to get the project done and it's like let's just rush 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 and get it done as quickly as possible completely understand that but um you want to step back a little bit and at least understand what it is you have um you know what is that legacy content that you're looking to migrate and typically the what you'd want to do is do some sort of audit of it and have a clear sense of what what's there do you need it all you know is some of it just you know, things that aren't being used anymore, and there's no point in migrating that, obviously. Um, so you get a handle of, of what you have there, and you decide what's the high-priority stuff to migrate. Once you know that, then you want to think about how are we going to use that in the future? And if you're doing a transformation project, adopting hopefully a headless CMS like content.ai, you have an opportunity to do things with that content that you didn't in the past. But to get the advantage of doing that, uh, you have to have a little planning because your legacy content probably isn't fully ready for this future state that you're setting up, uh, which would allow you to have a lot more structure for that content, a lot richer metadata for that content, things like that. So um, you need to think about making decisions around what that future state of that content's going to be. And maybe you have to clean up some of that content a little bit too, uh, if, if you can do that. Um, and there's a lot of things that can be potentially done with that to clean it up. Uh, and kind of depends upon, you know, what, what your needs are, what your budget is, you know, how long you're thinking you're going to be using this old content in the future, things like that, but you can can do some cleanup. You can do some, you know, uh, enhancements of it. You might be able to take that content and enhance it, say, with some tags that uh, weren't there originally, but, you know, you can kind of run it through and there are some tools now that let you add uh, some taxonomy tags to it, things like that, that could actually make it very useful once you migrate it into your future state. Uh, and you may want to cut out some pieces of it that uh, maybe only parts of it are useful and other parts aren't. And that's a little bit more complicated, but, you know, I think we're seeing now developments, and I don't know if you follow this at all, but, I mean, there's a lot of interesting um, work going where they have these programmatic web scrapers you know, which you can sort of say, I want just this part of a page and just run through a lot of published content and pull out just pieces of these pages. So, you know, a lot of the content migration will be the the source material sort of in its pre-publication state. Uh, but, you know, you might find that it's possibly more useful for some kinds of things to look at it in its published state and try to extract some things from it there. I don't know. I mean, I, there, there's just a lot of different opportunities and it's a more 
more involved than maybe a lot of people would initially think it was. You know, if you just think, oh, I'm just going to run a, you know, type a few commands on my on my keyboard and just, you know, the the pipe will just carry everything over and ta-da, I'm done. I mean, you know, you can do that, but you're not really getting all the potential benefit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, you've hit on a lot of things that we do at our agency whenever we do content migrations. I think number one is step back and have a plan at the mm. beginning of the project. Do not wait to the end as we were kind of starting off with that, that section of the conversation. Number two, I couldn't agree more, have an inventory and an audit. We yeah. like to do that by, you know, either maybe looking at the different times of or kinds of content types you have. Do you have a hundred blog posts? Do you have 10 products or do you have thousands of products and right. 15 blog posts? Like what is the most volume per content type? Is it structured content with, you know, blog post author, mm -hmm. published date, body copy tags, or is it unstructured, just like WYSIWYG content that you're going to have challenges with? And I think we'll talk more about that in a second. Yeah. Um, but then uh, the other thing is I would tell people, don't think of it as a one-time task. Mm something should be created whether it's a script a uh, program even if it's a csv import to somewhere mm -hmm. that should be repeatable and you should be able to wipe out the target you know folder structure or inventory of content in your in your cms to do it again and again because you might miss things you might have mm -hmm. to reprocess things and you know there's there's the idea of okay how are we going to handle images inside of our content because maybe mm -hmm. the way you provide images uh, with like the delivery API and, and the the uh, CDN that Content AI has that's way different than maybe how you had it in your other homegrown system that just has slash file name you know so right. you have different parameters and properties to to get images there's the taxonomy of the old world versus the new world I mean I think you and I can probably sit here for another half hour and come <laughs> up with every single concern that you should have yeah. around content migration. And maybe that's going to be a fantastic blog post that we can both work on um, in our experiences. But a lot should go into it. There should be a plan. It should be repeatable are some of the core things that we mm -hmm. tell our clients and our, our, our own team members of, no, it's not like four hours at the end of the project, uh, especially when there's a bigger change. I mean, think about it. Back to the, the house analogy. If you're going from a ranch to a ranch, Maybe it's not so bad. But if you're going to like a from a ranch to a two story or maybe a cottage on the beach with you know, yep. so many different features, right. that that scripting, that migration, that's going to be even more difficult. Yeah, yeah. And I think you're you're absolutely right. You want to get it to a point where it's repeatable, and to do that, um, you have to have some oversight, you know, and and check to make sure it's happening the way you expect it to um you know so a lot it's really dangerous anyone who thinks they can just press the button and it's just gonna come out the other end <laughs> yeah exactly, i think exactly, i mean we yeah. should even talk about another quick challenge that's with a headless cms implementation mm. and you hit it on an earlier and i think it's worth bringing up again really quick that right. people tend to think of it also as i'm moving this url mm -hmm. of this news article or mm -hmm. product and service page to this url over here right but what if you're not only working on the web? Yeah. What if you're trying to power a different channel, whether you're, mm -hmm. maybe it's a native mobile app, maybe it's a display ad or something else, and the structure is completely different. Maybe there is no sidebar on mm -hmm. the phone version of right. the content. Right. So you got to think about like what fields are the core that may be repurposed in different ways, and you got to mm -hmm. break that away from any presentation layer thought right. or even 
URL structure. Because I, I see know. a lot of that. I see a lot of clients ask, well, this URL needs to go to this URL. No, no, mm -hmm. no, no. Let's not think like that. Because right. in the headless world, maybe it's not even a URL. Yep. It's actually the kinds of content and structured content. Um, and that leads me to some of the work that you've done, Michael, which I want to point out too, which is if you're not sure about how to really create a strong content model and have really good structured content with lots of governance and high quality and reusability, as we say, it's the biggest mm. benefit. Yep. I think we've got an asset on the content that I set for that, right? Yeah, we do. I mean, we have a, a number of assets, but one asset in particular, we have a content modeling hub, which has a collection of articles for people with varying levels of experience. So if you're new to content modeling, there's some articles there for you. If you've been working with content modeling for a while, we have some more advanced articles, but it, it's there to help people understand some of the different dimensions involved with content modeling and um, you know how it is very different than thinking about that page structure, as you mentioned. So, um, you know, what we find is that in, in legacy monolithic systems, uh, oftentimes pages are created through templates that are there defining the content through its expected layout. And that's where you get these side rails and things like that that you were just mentioning. And that may not be useful in your future state. Uh, you may have a, a different uh, way that you're going to be using that content across different channels. Uh, you may be looking for more flexibility, even if you're sticking to the same channel, say the web channel, you're, you're going to be having a much more uh, flexible layout that will be responsive and, and things like that. So, uh, yeah, you want to be thinking about what can I do with this? I mean, we're liberating the content here mm -hmm. by freeing it from being encapsulated in this this you know fixed structure. Uh, so here's your way of of planning the future house. So it's almost like you're thinking about migrating your content, but uh, you're also designing the house that it's going to go into. Uh, uh, and so that's that's exciting too. Yep, yep. Well, fantastic. I know you and I could probably sit here all afternoon and dive even deeper and talk more. And um, I wish I had that much time today, to be honest, but I don't. So now we're coming up the end. I, I do want to thank you, Michael, quite a bit for joining me today and maybe possibly ask you to come back a, for another episode if you're up for it. Oh, I'd love that. Sure, okay. sure. Okay, fantastic. So the other thing I want to let people know is if they're curious about uh, this topic, you know, you want to know more about content migration. We've, we've talked about some resources around content hub and things like that. But honestly, I, I know you you and I both are very happy to just kind of take questions as they come from the community. So if people want to get a hold of you, I think we, we kind of talked before that, like, email is probably okay. So um, email is fine. Yeah, people can reach me at Michael A at content.ai. Um, if you're on the Discord uh, community, I, you could probably at me. And I'm not on there that frequently, but I'll definitely try to take notice if uh, if anyone wants to re reach me through there. Um, and yeah, yeah I'm, fantastic. That's right. So I'm putting that up on the on the video as well. So if you're not familiar with the contour content AI discord community, it's content AI slash discord, and you'll get a way to get into there. So uh, fantastic. Um, Michael, uh, again, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, I will uh, let you go enjoy the rest of your afternoon and your weekend and definitely have a, a great holiday season. 
Okay, Brian, thanks so much. I really enjoyed it. All right. Uh, and thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the latest episode of the Content Rocks podcast. We will talk to you all next time. Thanks.